thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Well, good morning everyone. It's, uh, it's great to be here. And uh, the uh, centre of the universe has moved in recent months. Uh, for the last 30 odd years, centre of the universe was Bolton. Uh, but we've just recently moved to a little former pit village called Goldbourne, uh, which is halfway between Warrington and Wigan, and that is now the centre of the universe. So, uh, uh, and it, it's great being with you this morning, and I wanted to say right at the outset a big, big thank you for your generosity towards the people of Ukraine. Uh, we've been involved in Ukraine for a number of years, so obviously when the war broke out, uh, we sort of had that personal element also thrown into it of friends we know, people we love dearly who are caught up in this terrible conflict that's taking place. And, uh, and the hundred or so days since the conflict started, we've been putting support into uh, four parts of Ukraine, uh, towns of Sumy, Kremenchug, Uzgorod, and Lutsk, uh, you know, for internally displaced people. And then we've also been putting support into Poland and up into Estonia as well. Because uh, what a lot of people don't realize is there are two exoduses taking place. There's one through Poland, which we all know about because our media covers that. But there is another very big exodus out into Russia and through Russia up into the Baltic states. And we just recently had a team member in Estonia working with uh, Ukrainian women and children there. And some of the stories are just heartbreaking uh, and Kirsten who went there she just said this she said you know you, you stood there and you know that just platitudes don't count for much really and uh, I said uh, you really need God in those situations and how God came through and brought comfort and hope and healing uh, to some of these precious uh, women and children from Ukraine. So I'm in Poland, first weekend of July, so I'd appreciate your prayers for that. And uh, uh, that'll be sort of a mixture of ministry and then obviously seeing what's happening on the ground with the sort of refugee crisis. So it's my joy and privilege to be able to speak this morning on the subject of prayer. 
Uh, and I think you've been looking a little bit at prayer from what Johnny's been telling me, prayer and fasting. Uh, and Johnny's asked me to concentrate more on the prayer side of things this morning. And we're looking at Matthew 6. And uh, we'll be reading from verse 5 uh, onwards. And it says this, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come now and you will anoint each one of us. I pray you anoint me afresh, Lord, to be able to communicate simply and clearly what it is that you want to say. And I pray, Lord, that you might speak to us, you might challenge us, and you might inspire us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. few different points I want to bring out of here, but before I get into those points, what I want to do is I just want to lay a little bit of a foundation thing, because Jesus talks here about prayer and fasting, and he says, when you pray, don't make a public show about it. When you're fasting, don't make a public show. I've encountered Christians who actually 
misconstrue what's being said here. And you know, when the church has the church prayer meeting, they say, I'm not going to turn up at the church prayer meeting because Jesus said, when you pray, you've got to do it in secret. I want to say it's not a get-out clause for you the next time you have a prayer, church prayer meeting. What Jesus is speaking about here is he's speaking about the motivation of our hearts. He's saying, are you doing a spiritual activity because you want people to see how holy you are, or are you doing it because you have a genuine affection for God? I have a friend of mine, uh, David Woodman, who's a worship leader, and he produced a CD a few years ago. And the title of that CD is this, For the Audience of One. And this morning, I believe God wants us to live for the audience of one. We don't live for the audience uh, of people around this world, but we live for the audience of the King who loves each one of us with a passion. And I believe that is a foundational thing for our lives. And then Jesus goes on and he gives us a pattern for prayer. It's what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And a few different things I just want to bring out of this. The first thing is this, that Jesus lays a foundation in the whole area of worship. He says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallow carries with it a sense of reverence, a sense that we're coming into the presence of someone who is bigger than us. Worship, I believe, is the foundation of any engagement we have with God. It's what we were called to do. We were called to worship him. I remember in uh, 2017, I had the privilege of spending a Sunday in Port Elizabeth. Uh, And it was a Sunday of great contrast. In the morning, I was in this little township church. Uh, You walked into it, the, uh, uh, the ground that you walked on, it was a little bit like walking on the Himalayas. It was just full of bumps and lumps. And they'd rolled a carpet over this. The, the walls were just wooden slats on the walls. There were big gaps uh, in, in the walls. Then the roof was a typical township corrugated iron roof. And they'd stuffed bits of uh, plastic bags and stuff like that to stop the water coming in. It was wall-to-wall people. They'd never ever seen a white preacher in that church. It was a unique experience for them, just as it was a unique experience for me. But the thing that I noticed that morning was that there was just an overflow of worship for God. It was like wall-to-wall people, but there was this overflow. There was this passion. There was just something that came out of the inside of these precious people. That night, they whisked me across to another part of Port Elizabeth. It was like 
the exact opposite kind of world. This church will be what you would most likely refer to as a mega church. The green room that the speaker was put in was bigger than the church I'd been in in that morning. The, you know, the stage was a ridiculous size of stage. They, they had a worship band with every kind of musical instrument you would imagine. The, there was also technology all around. Quite disconcerting when you stood in a pulpit and the only person you can see is yourself because of all these TV monitors that are around the place. That's the kind of situation, the exact opposite. The worship band, they led us in worship, and they were great. And then there was just a moment they put their instruments down, and right from the congregation, just spontaneously, came this overflow of worship out of people's mouths. It was like a crescendo of noise, a little bit like what we see in the book of Revelation where there's a half an hour of silence and then suddenly there is a cry out to God. And what I discovered that day was this. It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter if we seem to to have you know, great wealth and great prominence or we seem to be insignificant and our lives filled with great poverty, we were all made to worship God. And worshiping God is our call. And here Jesus says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's bigger than us. And that's why we worship him. The second thing Jesus says is this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know about you, but I think there's a forcefulness about that. I don't think that's a quiet, timid kind of prayer. You, you know, there's times when it's right to be quiet and timid, but there are also times when it's right to rise up in the kingdom authority that Jesus has given to each one of us in his church. You know, we are here to bring change and transformation. And the way we bring change and transformation, I believe, is firstly in the whole arena of prayer. We pray your kingdom come. We pray your rule, your authority, your reign. We pray that your voice will be the loudest voice in all of our lives. You know, it's amazing how so many of us as Christians were living to get to heaven. And yet, God, from his perspective, has an entirely different perspective. He's living or longing for heaven to come to the earth, for there to be an invasion of everything that heaven is. You see, what is it like when heaven comes to earth? 
What is it like when Jesus rocks up in a town? I believe it's like this, that husbands and wives start to love each other, that, uh, that parents love their children and children love their parents. I believe it's that schools excel, that businesses prosper, that crime rates come down, that peace starts to fill the atmosphere. I've been privileged to go to countries where that isn't something you talk about or preach about, but it's something that is happening on the ground. Alison and I were in Belo Horizonte uh, a few years ago, and in Belo Horizonte, there's a church there called Laguina. Uh, they have 75,000 people in their church. So it, 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 it's almost the size of Barrow, you, you know. <laughs> I, I got the privilege of preaching at their Wednesday afternoon healing meeting, and I think there was about 400 people uh, crammed into one of their smaller rooms uh, for that particular service. But, you know, they moved into what they call a favela, a place where there's a lot of poverty, often a lot of violence going on, a lot of drug dealing going on, and they moved into this favela and they brought change and transformation in. The crime rate came down, the drug dealing stopped, the killing stopped in that particular community. Businesses started to come in. The quality of the housing improved and it became an attractive area where people wanted to live. That is what happens when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's time for heaven to invade the earth. Third thing, Jesus says is this, he says, give us this day our daily bread. You, you know, it's like we're going from this big thing called community transformation, called you know, a radical change coming into an area, and then Jesus brings it down to such a you know, minute level in one sense where he just says, also pray, give us today our daily bread. You know, I believe it's a good prayer to pray. I believe it's a prayer to pray every day of our lives. You know, the whole issue of money, I believe, is sometimes a subject that we neglect to talk about in church situations because we never ever want to be seen to be in after people's wallets. But, but I... I believe that Scripture, there is 2,000 verses in Scripture on the subject of money. There are only 500 verses in Scripture on the subject of love. Every single week of the year, we're preaching and talking about the love of God. And yet so often, we never ever talk about the whole issue of money. God is a good God who wants to bless us, I believe, financially so that we can be a resource and a blessing to others. Scripture says this, that he takes delight in the prosperity of his servant. 
See, he's like a good, good father. You know, as a father, my two daughters, I want them to do well in life. I, I, I will sacrifice, I will do what I can to help them in life, to get them stood on their own two feet and prospering in life. And that's as an earthly father. And our heavenly father loves us so much more. And if we're to see his kingdom come, his will be done. If we're to see community transformation, then we need to be people who pray about money and about finance. And Lord, we need money. <laughs> Give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need, Lord, today. I might be in our own personal lives and it might also be in our life corporately together as the church of Jesus Christ. The fourth thing it says here is, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. I find it interesting that this is just thrown in there. You know, this whole subject of forgiveness but I want to say this really clearly and simply this morning. When we hang on to unforgiveness, when we hang on to resentment and bitterness in our lives, when we allow relationships to remain strained and broken, then I believe it hinders the flow of what God is wanting to do in people's lives. Jesus makes a very, very clear parallel here between us forgiving and releasing others and receiving that forgiveness into our lives. You see, none of us or most of us don't have an issue over the fact that he wants to forgive us. You know, we, we've all been brought up on that. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is truth today. If you're struggling with guilt, struggling with sin, it just takes a little maneuver where you say, God, forgive me, and his forgiveness is real in your life. And every power of guilt is broken off your life. You'd be made perfectly innocent before him. But you know, as we receive his forgiveness, he wants forgiveness to flow to others as well. I don't have to paint pictures here, talk in great length about it, but I can be very, very straightforward and say, if there are things going on in your heart and in your life towards someone else, you need to put it right. And the way you put it right is you release them and you forgive them. And let me give you a little word of wisdom as well. You don't have to go and tell the person you've had an issue with that you've forgiven them. Because they might not even realise They've done you any harm whatsoever. I remember years ago, uh, I was enjoying a Sunday morning service and someone came and stood next to me and they said this. They said, oh Lord, you know all the thoughts I've been having about Mark this week. <laughs> and Lord, I forgive him. <laughs> 
I didn't even realize. But I now had a big issue. <laughs> I had some things to work through. We just get before God and we release it and we forgive it. And allow forgiveness to flow. The fifth thing here is it says, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. A couple of things there. First thing is, don't lead us into temptation. You know, the, the Lord has good pathways for each one of us to walk in. Psalmist says this, it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You know, Ephesians tells us that God has already created good works for each one of us to step into. And so I believe it's important that we pray about where we're going in life praying about the direction of our lives. Pray even about the day-to-day -day direction of our lives. Lord, direct my footsteps. Bring me to the right people. Help me to display your heart. Keep me from evil. Keep me from sin. You know, the issue of sin is this, that usually people go on the wrong path. You know, the story of David when he committed adultery was this, that David should have been at war with the rest of the armies of Israel, but instead of being at war, he was sat at home in the comfort of home. And in the comfort of home, he sees Bathsheba bathing, and suddenly the seed of temptation is sown into his life. Samson, when he fell with Delilah, the issue with Samson wasn't so much the Delilah issue. The issue was before that. He was found walking through the vineyards, and as a Nazarite, he'd taken a vow that no wine would touch his lips. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And when we pray, don't lead us into temptation. Let's pray, Lord, may I be in the right place at the right time. Says there, deliver us from evil. I've got news for you. There is a spiritual realm that is very real. There is a warfare that is very real. We, we're involved in a spiritual battle, whether we realize it or not. You know, uh, I've met one or two Christians who who've got what I call slightly weird views. You, you know, I remember this woman phoning me one day uh, to uh, basically, a conversation was like this, this spirit, that spirit, the other spirit, another spirit, this spirit. For 20 minutes, she told me about all these spirits that were supposedly operating. Not once did she mention Jesus. And many, many Christians are like that. They have a big devil and a small Jesus. But I believe we need to have a big Jesus and a small devil. Talk more about him than we do about the enemy. But the reality is there is an enemy. 
And there are times we need to be delivered from the evil one. Delivered from his influence. Delivered from the areas where he comes into our lives to agitate, to disturb, to distract, to sow seeds of disunity, all of those kind of things. And we need to be aware of it and we need to close him down with the authority that God has given us. Jesus then finishes with these wonderful words, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You see, we start off with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're bigger than us. And we finish off with, you're bigger than us. <laughs> finish off with a reminder that prayer works. And it works because he has the kingdom. He has the power and he has the glory. We're not dealing with a God whose hands are tied behind his back, but we're dealing with a God who has the power to change situations. The power of prayer is this. We can see change and transformation come to our individual lives. That's great. But I believe there's something even greater than change in our individual lives. And that's change in a community. Because God is a God who loves people. I love that song that we've sung this morning. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I have for your kingdom cause. This morning, let us be people who live lives that are beyond ourselves. Who give ourselves for the corporate community called the church, but then give ourselves for those who as yet are not a part of us, but by the grace of God will become a part of us. Let's see change and transformation come into Barrow, into Goldbourne, where I am. Wherever we might be, wherever we might work, what might go, change and transformation to come. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your great love for each one of us. And we pray, Lord, that you might just keep stirring us in this whole area of prayer. Lord, we want to be those that when we pray, we see something concrete happening in people's lives. And so, Lord, just teach us how to pray. Teach us, Lord, to pray your way. And to pray your prayers. To speak your words. And to see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.